Hi, this is Jonathan Gallagher. I'm Director of Operations and Cruise Director for Brand G Vacations. And this is the hashtag life-changing Brand G podcast, where we'll give you the tips and all the scoop on gay travel and on Brand G Vacations. And I'm your co-host, Director of Marketing, Eric Poole. And finally, bringing up the rear, <laughs> insert your joke here. I'm James Mayo, Manager of Operations and the third in this twisted thruple of podcast hosts. Yes, we've taken James under our wings and we're teaching him how to be a podcast host. <laughs> Some of you may argue that we've not le- not yet learned those skills ourselves, but as they say, those who can't teach. Ah, amen. <laughs> Any bees, we're happy to be back with you all for another glamorous episode. Has anyone been anywhere exciting since our last podcast? Oh, you mean that one we recorded an hour ago? Uh, I've been to the bathroom, I've been to the refrigerator, God, that was really thrilling. Now, aren't we supposed to pretend like these occurred at you know, a regularly scheduled time. Um, I'm sure that was somewhere in your how to be a professional podcast host manual you wrote. It's actually a pamphlet. Yeah, and we wrote it when we were drunk. <laughs> yeah, next time maybe don't write it with lipstick on a cocktail napkin, hey? And <laughs> no <laughs> To be honest, dear listeners, it's hard to schedule things like podcast recordings when you work for a travel company because, you know, everybody's busy flying off to host vacations and vet new hotels and cruise ships and, and all that. So, well, I should say Jonathan and James and Jeff and Brian, the owners, are. I just slave away in front of my computer creating marketing materials and sobbing quietly into my keyboard. (laughs) But for Eric, that means he's when he's on one of our trips, he doesn't have to work. He just sits around with a cocktail and yells at all the staff. Oh, one of my greatest joys. Oh, my gosh. These episodes get off the rails real fast. (laughs) (laughs) For which I blame you, James. You're the new guy. (laughs) Perfect. Uh Is that why you brought me on to be your scapegoat oh he's not just pretty he's smart let's not jump the gun here (laughs) how about if we tell people why they're listening to this mess okay please do Uh, we'll correct you as you go yeah i can't wait (laughs) okay today we're going to talk about the luxury small ship ocean cruise experience this episode came about because a few months ago we opened up our first ever small ship luxury ocean cruise we've done luxury river cruises for what 11 years now yeah yeah this will be our first luxury ocean cruise and it's sold out in 30 minutes it's on the new luxury line called atlas cruises and their ships are just phenomenal anyway there's obvious demand for this kind of ship and experience so we thought we'd explain what a cruise on a luxury ship like the atlas world navigator is like yep now, some of you may have taken straight cruises that fall into this category, like uh, on like Regent Seven Seas or Seaborne or, or that kind of thing. Um, and if so, you already have you know a decent handle on what the experience is like. But I, I do have to say, the luxury line that Brand G uses, this new line called Atlas Cruises, um, it's still a somewhat different and honestly a cooler experience. Yeah. So in this podcast, we'll lay out how luxury small ship cruises differ from big mainstream ocean vessels and also how Atlas cruises are different from other cruise lines in the luxury sector. And I'll just add color. Mm, must do. <laughs> just remember, Missy, I'm lead guitar. Jonathan is lead vocalist in your tambourine. <laughs> well, I could be Susan Day. Wasn't she the pretty one? <laughs> Rude. See, I can do Partridge Family references even though I wasn't alive during that Oh. Thank God for reruns. <laughs> We've really got to rethink this. Anyway, later in the show, we'll have Atlas Cruises head of marketing, Robert Cow, to talk about who 
Atlas Cruises is and how they offer a different kind of luxury experience. Yes, but first, let's start with how small ship luxury cruise differs from big mainstream cruises like, say, Celebrity or Royal Caribbean, or do you say Caribbean or whoever? You know, one of the obvious things, of course, is the ship size. Um, You know, luxury small ship ocean cruises are a fraction of the size of the big mega ships that carry three or four or five thousand people. Uh, The Atlas ships, for example, carry about 200 guests. So, of course, everything's slimmed down. You know, you may only have three restaurants on a small ocean ship as opposed to a dozen on a big one. Um, Or you may only have one pool instead of two or three or the spa may be only 20 percent of the size, you know, but you do get those same amenities as the big ship. But the cool thing to me anyway, is that the small luxury ships have a higher amount of space per person than the big ships, Um, typically like 20 to 25% more. So you get really this great feeling of spaciousness on them. Well, and speaking of space, all the cabins on a luxury ship are bigger, where cabins on a typical mainstream ship might start at, I don't know, 160, 180 square feet. Uh, The smallest cabin on the Atlas ship is 270, and and most are really over 300 square feet. So you can actually, like, turn around in the bathroom without slamming into a makeup mirror or a towel hook or whatever. It's a a bruise-free cruise. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and let's face it, the small luxury cruise ships are much sexier. You know, the design elements are just stunning. Really high-end decor, as you say, decor. Everything's just turned up a a notch from the big ships like Celebrity or or whatever. We don't want to bitch on this podcast, but you know what I mean. (laughs) We're not not bad-mouthing those big ships. They do, you know, they do an amazing job at their price point. But, you know, these small ship lines are, are... just more expensive and everything is just a little bit more luxurious. Well, yeah, it's like a floating Four Seasons versus a floating Hilton. Right. Nothing against Hilton, but who wouldn't love a floating Four Seasons? (laughs) I love me a nice bathroom and these ships have like, you know, marble bathrooms with multiple shower heads and L'Occitane, I've never known how to pronounce that correctly, um, bath products, you know, none of that clingy shower curtain shit here. (laughs) But talking of these these small lot ships, another amazing is a point is the level of service uh the the relative uh you know, passenger count to cruise is just amazing. The average big ship has about one crew member for every three guests. These small ships has one crew member for about 1.75 guests. I don't know how you get 1.75 of a guest on there. <laughs> you really get this guy. But, you know, it kind of relates to about, you know, it translates to like 50 or 60% more staff on hand to service a guest. Yeah, these are glamorama, so. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, you won't wait 20 minutes for a glass of wine to be refilled at dinner, or in my case, it'll be Prosecco. Uh, uh, it sounds like you were living some traumatic past experience. I may be. That's <laughs> <laughs> treatment, though, that's for sure. <laughs> you know, by the way, I hope none of this sounds like, you know, we're dissing big ship cruising. I think Jonathan made that point because it's, you know, it's a fantastic experience and super fun. Um, but we all like to, you know, experience different kinds of travel adventures. And for I think, you know, if you want something more special, like, you know, like say you have a big birthday coming up or an anniversary, that kind of thing, then this luxury small ship experience will like totally make it memorable oh my god and it is so addictive so be warned you may never want to go back to that carnival cruise ship where they interrupt dinner and make you do the macarena Macarena. i can go on please don't don't (laughs) that actually happened to me on a carnival ship i can't oh it was just it was so gross i mean it was just like you know it was just like lowest common denominator i don't mean that to sound snotty but it just you know it's dinner why why do you need to get up and dance in the middle of it listen the one I 
was on went one of the ones I went on. I'd be, I've been in a few uh, back in the day, and one of them went on fire during dinner. Oh I hope they're their lawyers are listening, but it's a true story. So we did. We uh, we the ship went on fire right during dinner. I've never got that life vest on so fast and all. My- did you grab a chicken breast on the way out and just you know? <laughs> You're better at that than me. I bet you I don't remember where my life vest is. But don't don't touch up for Brian. I said that. Okay. Look. Okay. All right. I think the last big point before we get to our interview with Atlas Cruises is that smaller ships can go places that the big ones can't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you've ever been on a big ocean ship and, and, and I, cause I have and docked in some industrial port, that's like two hours from the city you're visiting. You know what I mean? Cause like, you know, then you have a two hour bus or train ride to get to, you know, Berlin or London or wherever. And you know, it's not the end of the world, but it just really eats into the time that you have to actually see the city. Cause you know, you're usually only there for a day. Oh God. I never thought I'd say these words, but Eric is right. <laughs> hey. The big ships can't do the smaller ports uh, because the, the, Ports don't have docks big enough and the big ships can't go into waters that are shallow, that kind of thing. So the small ships can either make it easier to see the city by getting close to it or they can take you to ports which are more exotic and a bit, you know, a bit more off the beaten path. Right, right. But I mean, of course, there will always be some cities that you just can't get to without a long bus or train ride, no matter what, because they're landlocked. Uh, For example, on our 2023 Morocco cruise, which is a big part of our itinerary for the for our first small ship luxury ocean cruise that we're doing, uh, Marrakesh is on the far side of Morocco, landlocked with Algeria. So it does require a two and a half hour ride from the port. Uh, there's not really any getting around that. Hey, it'll give me time to practice my snake charming. <laughs> is that what you're calling it now? <laughs> <laughs> I got to do something to earn tips. Mama's got to pay for that cruise. <laughs> on that note, why don't we bring in Atlas Cruises Senior Director of Charter and Corporate Events, Robert Cow. He can give us a lot more detail on who Atlas is, where they came from, and what the Atlas experience is like. Well, thank you so much, Jonathan. And I'm super excited to, to be here. Um, I know that, you know, you know, the rumor has it that we've been in business for five years, um, and the reality is that we've actually just celebrated our third anniversary this last March. That is when we officially launched and began to operate. Now, it was not easy. It came with many challenges, many unprecedented challenges, constantly changing protocols and procedures, all, of course, as it relates to COVID-19, the most stringent international and border requirements, compliance, you name it. But we did it. We currently operate one of five soon-to-be Explorer-class vessels. One is four more to be. The World Navigator in the Water enters service in July of 2021. The World Traveler, our second vessel, again, within the Explorer class vessel. And what do I mean by that? Our fleet will be all comprised by what we call in the industry twin ships, identical twins, meaning they're exactly the same in size, configuration, obviously with different cosmetics or aesthetics, if you like, as it relates to the inside of the vessel. But again, it's a total of five. So the Traveler is our second vessel that is set to sail this coming November. Then the third vessel, the World Seeker, loving the name so far, set to sail in later 2023. Can anyone guess what the other two ships will be called? I'll take a guess. Uh, Anybody? Anyone? Bueller? (laughs) Going, going, gone. The World Adventurer and the World Discoverer will join the fleet by the end of 2024. So how's that for a brief history? Very nice. Very proud. Okay. Brangie did an Antarctica cruise in 2020, which was on the World Explorer. Um, That's a Mystic Cruises ship. But um, now for 2023, um, we're doing um, 
a cruise uh, to Spain and Morocco and the Canary Islands on this first ship that's actually the first Atlas ship called the World Navigator, right? So what's the difference between the two ships? That is correct. And it always makes me very proud. And I really enjoy highlighting the differences between Explorer and our true first vessel, the World Navigator. Let's start by we elevated the elegance of the decor from World Explorer to World Navigator. The World Navigator's decor is designed by the award-winning Portuguese agency called. Some may have heard of them. They've never really done much, if any, design on cruising. It's called Oito en Ponto, which means eight o'clock sharp. So that speaks to precision and specifics. It's a 1940s steam liner's flare, if you like, with a retro chic that meets the new millennium. The interiors are all done in glossy mahogany, which contrasts beautiful with graphic marble designs. All of the furniture and carpeting was specifically designed for World Navigator. In short, the ship is brighter, airier, and more elegant than the Explorer. The World Navigator also features an expanded sea spa by L'Occitan, the first spa at sea, instead of being located on Deck 7, as your guests might remember on the Explorer. Yeah. The Navigator, nearly 950 square feet spa, is on the main public deck 4 and has a new Serenity Lounge for up to 8 guests. The expanded fitness studio with all techno gym equipment is something that's different and they will see. We have a new cafe, it's my favorite, called Paula's Pantry featuring made-to-order coffees, freshly pressed juices, smoothies, soups, sandwiches, snacks, and pastries. Yes, I'm a foodie. Yes, I'm getting hungry. It really is a favorite and a really nice spot that everyone, you know, makes it a point to stop in, have a little morning coffee. I'm Cuban, so I always have to have my cafecito in the morning. A great place. So what would you say is the very best aspect of an Atlas cruise? You know, that's a really hard question to answer. Hmm. You know, it's almost the same as when someone asks, what is your favorite place in the world? What is your favorite child? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I think I can answer it. Let's try this. I think I can answer it using the same lens and perhaps the filters that your guests will use. Let me start by saying that our ships truly have an ideal size, only 95 staterooms, small and intimate, that allow you to become immediately acquainted as soon as you first step foot on board. When you step foot on board, there is an instant feeling of warmth and being home. The very careful and beautiful design accommodations, the simple, elegant, inviting decor makes the experience truly memorable. I like to say that all of the onboard experience or the onboard amenities and appointments, if you like, conspire in favor of senses. And we all know what happens when you trigger senses. Each one of them will naturally create a life-lasting memory. And then speaking of senses, let me mention the food again, a key and outstanding element of the overall experience. You know, our past guests rave about the diversity, the quality, and of course, the flavor, right? But let's not omit mentioning the warmth service, the high sense of hospitality, um, calling, if you like. And why is that? Well, not only are we in the luxury space and we must cater as such, but the truth is that each and every one of your guests will be and is surrounded by a team of pros and true sailors are hard. They love what they do. They know how to cater and be gracious with each of the guests on board. If, if you've been on a cruise before and you go on something like this, when you come home, you're like, wow. So maybe it's that. What is the best is, is the wow effect after all. You know, it's funny because 
I saw the, um, uh, the surveys, you know, we always do as a brand, we always do surveys to the guests after each cruise, you know, or each trip to find out what they liked and didn't like. And, um, from that Antarctica cruise, all those things were hit in those surveys. Like people raved about the rooms. They raved about the food. They raved about how good the staff was, how, how, like, you know, they learned your drink order, all those kind of crazy things. So, um, yeah, I think you're hitting all the stuff that really makes this, you know, that'll really set this apart. Can I, can I just ask as the, I have to say, I'm very lucky to be the only person here apart from yourself who has sailed on one of your, your vessels. I was lucky enough to sail on the world explorer in January 2020. And I can, I can concur with you. It is an absolutely amazing experience. Can I just delve in a little bit deeper about the eclectic onboard uh, experience in regards to dining? And you were talking about food and beverage. I believe you've got uh, onboard La Porto, Alma and Seven Aft as your dining options. That is correct. We do. So there's a lot of diversity. And even in in the the Porto, in the main restaurant, uh, every night of the cruise, it will have a very special theme with truly ethnic um, feel and flair if you like, whether it's Italian, Asian, Spanish, Portuguese. So great, great options, especially when we're in the mat. You know, what a great opportunity to enjoy something al fresco dining when you're, you know, sitting in seven aft. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, for me, food is not only a part of life, but it's a really big part of a cruise. Oh, yeah, for sure. It, it definitely isn't. How, how do our guests, uh, who have booked, as you know, I don't know if you heard our cruise sold out in 30 minutes, our first cruise with you. So we're very excited. How do our guests book into one of those dining options do they have to book before they board the ship or do they book whilst on board it's mostly down once on board and again the 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 ship is small enough and you know the main restaurant caters to so much that you know they do an amazing well um, an amazing job in making sure that everyone gets to try all the different options so to answer the question specifically they book once on board Hmm. and so i'm probing you even deeper i do apologize (laughs) but it's what i guess let's talk about you were talking about this luxe this luxe adventure it's all inclusive uh, obviously it's brand vacation so everything's included in terms of adult beverages and teas coffees juices everything's included but what about you do some special inclusions in terms of maybe is it jet skis and different things and that tell us what is included in in uh, our charter well it, obviously it's your um your first class accommodations all of your meals throughout the day um we include unlimited pours um very unique for uh for brand g vacations um we, we've done away with including tours on our cruises but uh the brand g guests will receive that we don't have, um, I would say, jet skis per se, but whenever we are in a place whereby we organize activities ourselves, then obviously that is included. Mm. I had visions of one of our other cruise directors, Maisie Dewar, uh, on a jet ski. Probably just- oh my God, that's a horrifying thought. <laughs> <laughs> that dress flying up, good Lord. Who needs to see that? <laughs> All the uh, really? <laughs> All right. So Robert, um, here's, a, here's a gay question for you. Um, I'm sure Mystic um, probably has experience in dealing with uh, LGBT guests, obviously. Um, but are, for the for Atlas and for uh, this ship, are you guys doing like any special kind of 
staff training for, you know, since ours is an all LGBT cruise? Well, and the way you ask me, the answer is no. And let me tell you why. I'm very proud to say, I know I can hear the crickets. Ooh, what did he just say? <laughs> I am very proud to say that I work for a company that has a very defined and committed culture to diversity and equality and legitimately welcomes, as you pointed out, everyone on board. So I wouldn't say that we will do a special training for an all LGBT cruise. No. However, we've been in the charter business for many years. And the one thing that is for sure is that every single cruise charter is unique in their own way. And there are no two that are alike. Each charter has its own DNA, I like to call it, as a company, as an event itself, as a group, as a community, with a specific and different purpose for each one with different expectations. And that is our job to meet and exceed. So as it relates to the cruise experience in general, because we don't make a difference because you're LGBT, we welcome and yes, we have a lot of experience. And it, again, it's part of our culture. Um, training and familiarizing our crew on board with each different client is at the top of our list of priorities. And we can't wait to welcome our soon to be brand G vacations guests on board. Wow. And the social voyages. Good answer. <laughs> so, yeah. okay, Good question. <laughs> Great question. Right? It's a very valid question. You know, I, I know exactly where you're coming from, and it's a very valid question. I still can't believe that it still needs to be asked yeah. today. You're doing yeah. the right thing, but I, I can't believe that I'm still hearing the question. <laughs> Anyhow, yeah, next. Thank you for pointing that out. I guess we'll really appreciate that. That's, Talk about uh, going deeper. Listen, <laughs> 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 we haven't even set sail yet. So, <laughs> what, what areas of the world uh, do Atlas ships sail in? Oh, wow. You know, we, we really cover pole to pole. I mean, I'd like to mention also that uh, for those that don't know, all of our ships are purposely built for polar exploration. That means ice rated hulls that truly allow us to sail in polar waters and offer the most, let's say, idyllic and unheard of expeditions, right? We cruise in the Arctic. Um, that includes, of course, Norway, Spitsbergen, which is an archipelago off of Norway, 800 miles to the North Pole. Um, Iceland and Greenland. And in between, of course, we explore other parts of the world when we're going from pole to pole. And I'm talking about including Europe, you know, Northern, Western, Eastern. So we do the Adriatic, we do the Aegean, um, we do the Caribbean when the ships come from the North to the South. We do Western and Eastern South America when we're done with the Antarctic season, which we do. And last but not least, it is my favorite. And I have been there just recently in February and I'm blown away. So, um, and that is what we offer today. Obviously we continue to grow and you can definitely expect to see more in our destination roster in the next couple of years to come. So, um, yeah, pretty exciting. Wow. We, have, we do have a global, we have a global footprint. Let's yeah. just say that. Really? Robert, I think we may have lost some <laughs> listeners when you said pole to pole two or three times. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was a call to come, not to leave. So do you have any... Oh, sorry. I'm sorry, sorry, Jonathan, Jane. go ahead. <laughs> uh, on this, we talk about the destinations. We ask our guests where they want to go every trip as part of the survey that Eric was talking about. We do ask them, where would you like to go in the future? Where do you want Brand G to take us? And now that yeah. we're working with Atlas, we're very excited because wherever you go, we can go with you. Now, a lot of our guests say to us, the Far East. They ask about Australia, New Zealand, uh, but Malaysia, around those countries, uh, Singapore, what else? Do, do Atlas have plans to, when they have more ships, uh, to visit those destinations? 
Well, you know, right now we have the World Navigator, and I just mentioned the other four ships that are under construction or on order, right? Of course, we can never say never, and we do look forward to expanding our style of small ship luxury expedition cruising around the world, including those that you mentioned, beyond these five ships that we now have at some point, again, when the time is right. Um, obviously, a lot of the moving forward deployment and overall planning is still contingent upon a lot of what our current lovely not so lovely friend COVID has done. So everything is done very carefully. And um, yes, I, it's part of what's in the, uh, in the future that we look at in terms of destination. So I would definitely say come pole to pole <laughs> and then stick around. And then we will definitely take you there at some point in time, but all kidding aside, that is the goal. The goal is to definitely become um, and really just expand worldwide. Well, uh, with all of that said, really my next question is and. In- selfishly of course do you have any plans for more ships because the more ships you have the more we can sell and that means i get to sell on them really (laughs) (laughs) exactly well and i know that right now we're looking at navigator um and of course we have the navigator for 2023 um and of course the other four the traveler seeker adventure and discover are on order and we should have those by the end of 2024 we're definitely looking to be to extend beyond these five i just don't have a timeline right now but yes I mean, if you go back to who we are and who Mystic is and our total fleet today is, I can say that the owner is very ambitious. It's a sailor at heart, came from cruising, and that's Mr. Mario Ferreira. Um, So you can definitely be sure that we're going to be adding more ships to the fleet. And I have to say, you know, the the fleet um, and the concept has been so well received all around. You know, I, in my role as, as director of charter, and I also cover an area called MICE, it's an acronym for meetings, incentives, and corporate events. The one thing that hits home immediately to anyone looking to charter our ship, be it someone like you, um, a lifestyle um, organizer that wants to do something unique, maybe it's um, a Fortune 500 company in the insurance and financial world that wants to provide an incentive. The size of the ship is really what hits home. 95 to 100 rooms is the perfect size. Yeah. I mean, what, an, what a beauty, what a luxury to have that to be for yourself without all of the added constraints of chartering a vessel, especially when the ship is bigger than that. So um, the future is very bright and and we've had an immediate reception and an acceptance to the brand. So I can only see us growing. Well, and I have to say that I think that um, that size is sort of the sweet spot for brand G because our guests really like that intimacy of of a smaller ship. So, you know, you you guys are right up our alley. Yes. Thank you. And we're we're delighted to partnership. You're such a size. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. it somewhere we couldn't go. Uh, Robert, can I just say thank you so much, Robert Carr uh, of Atlas, uh, for giving us your time. Uh, it was absolutely amazing. You were so informative and your enthusiasm, I know, will make every one of our guests want to book uh, on one of our trips in partnership with you. It's a shame he's so shy and, and afraid to speak, isn't it? It is. I'm very shy. I'm very shy. <laughs> you know what? And it's really a pleasure. Um, I, I, I have such a special place in my heart for Brian and for for Jeff and Brian and everyone in the organization for you guys that I've just recently met and I can only say one thing don't sell the entire crew save one cabin because I'd love to join you guys in <laughs> oh, oh we're, we hope to actually meet you in person yes I hope so I hope so thank you thank you thank you, thank you.